Well, good morning. It's good to see you in the church this morning, so many of you. What a blessing. And those that are viewing us online, we appreciate you joining us as well. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, it's also a day that we, uh, we want to notice our veterans and think about the sacrifice that so many men and women have made to make our um, freedom as such as it is. So uh, I would just like to ask the veterans in the church uh, uh, building to stand. Would you mind doing that? Um, we have a few of you here today. We just want to thank you guys for blessing us with your service and sacrifice in, in life. And those of you that are maybe live streaming that can't be here, we appreciate you so much. Uh, may the Lord bless you and uh, we commend you and, and ask God to continue to encourage our nation to uh, stand for the freedom uh, as Christians, to be good soldiers of the Lord, to fight the good fight of faith. And I don't have to tell you, I think we're in such a dilemma right now, and I appreciate you sharing uh, your gospel uh, calling uh, to come and worship with us today and in your life, when you're, whether you're in the church or not. I wanted also to share with you a message that I was asked to share um, from Rachel Spivey and Daniel O'Quinn, and here it is. To ensure the well-being of our families, church family, and friends as, as states begin to carefully reopen, Rachel Spivey and Daniel O'Quinn made the difficult decision to postpone their wedding until August 15, 2020. We look forward to celebrating with you all. So we just wanted to share that with uh, Rachel and Daniel and continue to pray for them. And uh, you can only imagine, uh, maybe we really can't, what it means to be building up for the excitement of a wedding and then have to postpone it. And I commend this young couple for their uh, willingness to put others first and to uh, prolong that. And I just believe God will make it even more glorious, a special day for them. And we're going to pray to that and ask God to help us do that. May the Lord bless you uh, as we rejoice together today. Thank you for noticing the prayer list and Thinking about all those in the church family and friends, I know there's uh, such a arrangement of folks that need our prayers and thoughts. There's been some healing grace, though, around the church family. Thank you for that and, and for all you do and your faithfulness. Thank you for your cards and notes and encouragement and phone calls as well. Uh, you are faithful people, and I think it shines even greater in the times we were coming through uh, uh, in the church. I appreciate you that are able to be with us, but also uh, Chris and Donald for their faithfulness in the live streaming and the technical part of it. Uh, for also Jenny Tankersley and what she does with the youth and promoting the uh, contact with them uh, through the uh, Zooming ministry and other things, and so many other, others too. I don't want to not mention others because I don't know all. So many of you do things I don't even know you're doing but God does, and I just thank you for, for all you do. Uh, so may the Lord bless us today to just be really, really thankful. We have a lot of reasons to, and to uh, just grab hold of whatever life God has given us and appreciate it and make the very most of it as we bless his holy name. Would you join me with a prayer together? Our dear, most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day, and we pray, O oh Lord, that it would be just that, that it would be your day and not ours. We thank you, Lord, that some have been able to come back in your church and physical building and sit down in the pews. We pray for them, Lord, and we're thankful that they're come and that they're here today. And yet, Lord, we know there's some that want to be here that can't be yet or just don't feel like it's quite right. And we just pray that you'd bless them, help them not to feel guilty about it, but Lord, encourage them and give them comfort. And those, Lord, that, that are watching or listening on live stream, we thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to your word and, and for the, all the opportunities you've given us, your people, to hear the word preached from various pulpits and situations. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel and for the truth of your word. And we understand, Lord, without a shadow of a doubt, that you have to make it uh, powerful, you have to make it impactful in our lives. 
without you and your spirit it's just nothing but words but you lord are, are able to do things we can't do and we're just thankful for your faithfulness to us we ask you lord to bless all the churches that are assembling together and trying to get back together we pray for our nation our president and those leaders we pray that you would take their hearts and just reshape them and mold them as well as ours that we would make the most, Lord, of this situation, knowing that you always give us something to look forward to, whether that's on earth or heaven itself. Thank you now, Lord, as we stand back and watch you do your work. We pray that you would take this message and use it for your honor and glory, that we would forget about ourselves and magnify your word and glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Joshua. Um, I have to admit I started a little late on this message. I didn't realize Memorial Day was slipping up. And one of the hardest parts from my little preaching efforts is try to make a sermon mesh with a special day. Sometimes I just, I have something else. And this week I had something else going and I was reminded um, as often for the good parts of my life by my good wife of this being Memorial Day. But um, it's, it's an important day, and, and you know, every day is important, but Memorial Day, uh, when you think about the memories and the sacrifice that so many have made, uh, and certainly in the situation that we're living, we have a reason to, to do that even more uh, seriously, probably, than ever before. But you know, the Bible is a, has a book, it's a book that con considers every opportunity, every circumstance that we deal with. Um, and I wanted to, what I got into and I wanted to, to share with you is, is an account from the book of Joshua. And I know that you're going to be familiar with what I'm going to talk about. But really, Joshua was a great military leader. He, he was one of the greatest military leaders of all time. I was reading when I was doing some research on the book of Joshua. So many uh, military academies and places that teach military strategy have used uh, Joshua. And, and his plan of uh, how he attacks, what he does, uh, maneuvers. Um, but, you know, we need to be reminded, and we'll see this from Joshua, that the battle is really the Lord's. And, and here's the deal. We, too, are soldiers. Uh, the battle for life and faith is never, never going to end. You know, the apostle, in this earth anyway, the apostle Paul says, I, I, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've I finished my course. And he said that just before he died, and he died in a, in a, in a dungeon, I understand. But, but here's, here's the thing, you know, you might not win uh, every battle. You know, lose some battles, but thank God, through Christ, the captain of our salvation will win the war. And so we can celebrate that victory. And, and here in the book of Joshua, what happened, as I understand it, Israel is coming out of a bondage to Egypt, okay? So God is delivering them. And they get to uh, uh, the situation, they've been in the wilderness 40 years. And the reason they were there is because of disobedience. When you and I disobey God, there's a consequence to that, there really is. But God is always faithful and he uses whatever situation we're in for his honor and glory. You know, one of the greatest blessings to me, now this is going to sound really, really unusual, but uh, I really believe from my heart, one of the greatest blessings, I think, to the church and to my life personally has been this pandemic episode. Now, regardless of, of the, uh, the situation, how it comes about, of uh, the manipulation, the false data and all that that's been around, uh, I think that, that we need to look at it from the positive parts of our life. What has it done to our life? First of all, I think it's changed church forever. I really do. Uh, and I know how we're going to deal with that. Only God knows, but we got to just take it a day at a time. It's changed our lives so much. But I think what it's done was, is make us realize really how fickle our lives are, how things can change so, so quick, things that we don't have any control over, uh, how much we really do depend on God, and we really do. And it's not that we didn't know this before. I think everybody in this room knew that before. I consider you all very faithful Christians. And, and yet, I, I pray that we can glean from this uh, a structure in our lives that will make us more prepared, more willing, more dedicated to God in His service. And the thing is, it's been a blessing to me. I said that, I really have, but... 
But you know, if I'm not careful, I'll get a little comfort in this situation. But really, when I come to the congregation this morning, and I see you, you in here and others that will be coming, I'm sort of really excited about getting back in the physical part of the ministry and about in the church and about the activities and about visiting. And I want to do that with more fervor and, and, and energy spiritually than I've ever had before. And I know you do too. I think really we'll appreciate it far, far more than we ever have before. I think we have realized, haven't we? I know I have, how much we take for granted uh, this time together in God's house. And it's, it's such a blessing and a sweet privilege that we have. But anyway, I wanted to use this because if people now get to the River Jordan, and uh, when they get through Jordan, one of the first things God does was call them to, to consecrate themselves, to sanctify themselves. They were circumcised, and the men were, because they had died all in the wilderness because they doubted God. And so God's now going to say, go through the circumcision. That is to remind them of a covenant. See, it's a cutting away of the flesh. In our lifetime today, what it means is, I understand it, it's an identity that we have to cut away the world, to cut away the fleshly part of us. We still have that to deal with as long as we live. The Apostle Paul from Romans 7, you, you read that, I think it's verse 18 in particular, never doubted the, uh, the, 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 the problem the flesh could cause. And so we, we just because we're saved doesn't mean that we don't have to struggle with that flesh. That's why we need this wartime mentality. But, but anyway, God called them to do that, but he also called them to, to fast and celebrate the Passover. So when I say that for us, it's going to have a little bit to do with what I want to try to say when I build up to my couple of three verses for the text, is because God is doing something, calling them to do something to prepare them for something that's going to happen miraculously. And I believe in a like manner, that's what God is doing for us. I hope you don't think that God is just caught by surprise by this pandemic and this situation that we've been in, that there's just something that God just was so frustrated he couldn't do anything about. No, God uses men and he uses the methods of men and however however uh, wrong they may be or however uh, apt to make mistakes we are as men God still uses it uh, for his glory and his purpose so God calls them to do that but when they get ready to go into the promised land they have an obstacle and it's Jericho Jericho the city of Jericho was a formidable strategic but a strategic city and they had to deal with it I want you to look at this in your life you probably got some obstacles don't you you do there's something in your heart something in your life that, that can be an obstacle and so what happens is we go in the promised land of God and it is just that God says he's already given them the, the land that doesn't mean he takes away the obstacles okay you know, when God says we're saved and completely forgiven, he really means it. It's true. But that does not mean that we don't have to face temptation and trials and trouble in our life. And the reason God allows that, I'm convinced, is to strengthen our faith. And I believe that our faith has been strengthened because we've been able to assess ourselves in ways maybe that we haven't been before. And uh, we've magnified God and our need of him more than we ever have before. And that's what grows our faith. So he gets to this place with Jericho, but, but then Joshua, you know, is the great military leader. And he, got, he comes following Moses, and so Joshua is committed to God. And so Joshua has this experience with this seemingly angel, but it's really the Lord Jesus Christ in Joshua chapter 5. Uh, and this angel, this Lord Jesus Christ figure, uh, uh, humbles Joshua into a greater service for him. But then God tells Joshua how to deal with Jericho. And I want to look at verse 20, and then I'll kind of add some to that, and 21 and maybe 27 for our text. We all know the story of the walls of Jericho and what happened there. I mean, I mean it's a great miracle that God did all that. I don't understand it. Uh, I hear people sometimes say, particularly when you're going through trials and troubles, uh, but I don't understand it. Uh, I have faith, but I don't understand it. Hey, you're going to have things you don't understand. I don't understand. And so God is calling us, though, to do things we might not understand, but we're to go and we're to trust God, God and we're to walk by faith. Now, these, 
these people were going to take this city, Jericho. And you know how they're going to do it? They're going to walk around it. That's all they're going to do. They wasn't going to come up with this battle cry. They wasn't going to barrage the, 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 the walls or the gates with a, with a great ramming battery. They were, going to, they were going to walk around it. God says, you walk around it. You don't say a word. And the, and the priests will be leading it. And, and you're going to have the Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence with them. So the thing is, the thing is, and we can go back to, uh, to, to the Bible where, where God made this in Exodus 33. Moses, and Joshua, I believe, gets that from Moses. See, people are watching your life so much. And, and so what happens to uh, Moses, Moses, after he understands God is needful and certainly violent in life, he says, God, I don't want to go. He says that in Exodus 33. I don't want to go unless you're with us. I don't want to go without your presence. That should be our calling right now for everybody that we can grip, grip that in our hearts. Say, God, I don't want to do anything without your presence. And then right after that, in Exodus 33, is when Moses said, God, show me your glory. But they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, too, on this trip around these walls. And, and that had in it, as you know, the, um, the manna, the pot of manna, reminding of God's sustenance. See, God can give you things. You don't know where it's coming from. I bet we've got a glimpse of that, haven't we? Uh, and also it had the, the tables of God's law. God's word will never get out of date, okay? We still have to go by what God says. And so God's tables were there in that Ark of Covenant and Aaron's rod that budded. It's an amazing miracle what God does. And he's about to do one again and these walls falling down. Now these are not just walls um, like a fence I would put up. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a, just a... a, a uh, you know, a uh, wood hatched, you know, these little walls you buy down at Lowe's or even, even a, a concrete. It, these, are, these are walls that, that are, you know, thick and high and, and just, you know, you, you stand on, had guards on there. They were, they were walls. And, and so there was no way they could deal with it apart from God. And that's how we need to see their life. So God says walk around it for six days, once a day, don't say a word. And other than the trumpet, you can blow the trumpet. But then on the seventh day, you walk around it twice, okay? And then the walls are going to fall down. Now, Joshua got that instruction from God. Now, the people don't know this is going to happen. You understand this? See, that's important we understand. They've got to do it by faith. And that's exactly what we've got to do. See, we, we have to do some things that don't make a, don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. So, so they say, do it. And so Joshua gets this in the first few verses. I'm going to have to read there from Joshua 6, first two or three verses. That's where God gave Joshua his battle plan, okay? So, so now in verse 20, so the people shouted, and they told him on that seventh day when they walked around twice to shout. And so what's going to happen? And so the people shouted when his, the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Now, you know, probably in our goodness, in our good Samaritan Christianity, say, why do you read verse 21? I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty graphic, you know, but I'm going to say, I wanted to read it. We see the victory that God delivered to his people, but he says, listen, I'm serious about separating yourself from the world. You know what God says about our life? He says in the New Testament, if you're right, hand offend thee, cut it off. If your eyes offend you, pluck it out. That's, that's what Jesus thinks about sin in our life. And you can't ever get rid of that. I mean, you're still going to have to struggle with that. And so, so may the Lord bless us to see that. But it fell down. And so I want to say this wall fell down. And in verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. See, when the Lord is with you, then your influence 
will just be just what it's called to be, okay? So now let's look at, um, let's look at three points that I want to ask God to help us make in this lesson. Um, and really, I didn't tell you this. I started trying to deal with a theme on revival last week, and I talked about the riches of revival. You remember uh, we went to Nehemiah, and we, we heard about the, uh, the riches of finding the Word of God. I mean, I believe that we found the Word of God in places we never have found it before. That is exciting to me, to see the riches of God is that treasure that He really is through His Word. But today, I want to talk about, if you want to talk about it as a topic of this message, it's called the rigors of revival. Now, I've never did that before, never said that before, never read that anywhere. So, may not make a lot of sense in a way, but to me, what my heart was telling me, I wanted to get to me and you, was, you know, revival is rigorous. What I mean that is there's some, uh, there's some, some things we got to deal with. There's some effort that we got to make. It's not that, that we generate revival, but it's, it's this that God prepares us for it. And it's a rigor, rigorous uh, preparation. You know, we have lived in the last maybe 10 years or so, People have gotten to the point, you know, let's make everything positive. Tell somebody they're good, you know, and don't ever criticize anybody. Don't ever make them feel negative or down and out. And you know what that's resulted in? I believe that's resulted in um, people that today that feel like, I'm talking about the world in general, I'm talking about you, not talking about you necessarily, that, you know, anything's okay. Sin's really not that big. It doesn't matter, I can kind of do, but that's kind of what we need to be understanding. We have to confront ourselves, okay? Uh, I can tell you in my life, the greatest wisdom I gained is when people just told me no. Uh, when, when things didn't work out like I thought they were going to do it. I mean, you know, the only way, and, and the gospel is the good news, and we're going to really appreciate the good news, is when we understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we're sinners. And the good news is that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And so, what a blessing we can rejoice and say that. But, so the first thing, though, that I want to say is in this rigors of revival. Because that's what happened. When these people shouted and the walls fall down, hey, that is revival. And, and the walls of Jericho. But there's a preparation. There's a preparation to it all. And there's a preparation to life. You know, see, God prepares us. God, you know, is preparing us for something. And he's preparing us. You know, I was noticing my wife today. My wife, Penny's been cooking, and she's such a wonderful cook. And I've, I've had the benefit of being blessed with her good cooking over the last month or two. That's not the only reason I like this pandemic, by the way. It's not. But, but I remember, see, there's work to that. I told her this morning, I said, Penny, it takes a lot to prepare that. She didn't know what I was thinking. I mean, it's not like that food just jumps on the table. You understand that? It's not. It doesn't, it, it doesn't happen. See, see, it's not like revival comes away. It just happened. No, it's, there's some preparation. Oftentimes, there's, there's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of situations in our life that we just don't understand. And so, so what we do with that is, is God says, you know, now you be silent. You walk around this thing. You do what I tell you. And that's the thing that's hard for us to do sometimes. And, and you just do it. You don't do it having to understand it, but you do it, but you trust in God in it all. So, so you're preparing in that way. So it's, it's, it's about the preparation, and that's what happened to, to Israel. See, God was preparing them. And Moses, even the leader of Israel before Joshua, you know how he was uh, qualified to, uh, to lead his people through the wilderness? God gave him 40 years. Uh, on the backside of nowhere, tending his father Jethro's sheep in the wilderness. So Moses got some preparation to, to life. You know, I, I think about uh, Judge uh, Lovett Bennett here today, and I know in his heart for the scouts and, and the ministry that, that he has, and the scouts were here at the time, and I remember the blessings I had of going to the services when they were notifying or acknowledging an Eagle Scout in the I think one of the qualities is be prepared. I mean, they were prepared. And life is like that. It's something that we need to be prepared, prepared for. And that's what, that's what happens in revival. There's a preparation that God gives us. And so what a blessing so that we can see that. Uh, but so Joshua gets his battle plan from God. And so Joshua 
Joshua blesses that, and he does that as he deals with it one day at a time. I mentioned that he did not tell the people what was going to happen. That's important for us to think about this morning on the rigors of revival. You know, we don't, we don't none of us know what's going to happen. Ultimately, we don't, but God does. Uh, so we need to follow God and trust him and understand that God didn't tell Job. You remember the uh, great patriarch Job that was tested so uh, severely in the Old Testament and lost all he had? Well, he was never told that he was going to be doubly blessed. But we know that now as we look back. In. And so God is, is going to be faithful to us and always does. But the preparation is, and I think this is what I've seen in our life, is the, the private presence of Jesus now, listen to me really close here because I'll make sure I say it right, and, and I hope it's right. I trust it is. The private presence of Jesus always comes before his public presence. That makes sense. What I mean by that is what we need to do in understanding what the blessings of this sheltering in can be. And I'm not saying that was right or wrong or anything. I'm just saying it, it had to do with God allowing it, so let's make the most of it. But I do believe and the Christians I've talked to, that it's caused us all to really examine our hearts and to probably have a closest, I bet everybody in here would admit, you probably have a closest, closer to your response to Jesus or his presence than you ever had before. And, and that is so important because what God does with that private presence is bless us into the something more important in our life. Now here's, here's a little example for me, just happened this week. And I would do this for any of my grandchildren. I pray for my grandchildren and my children every day, and I know you do too. But why? Because, because there's an obstacle in this life. It's kind of like the walls of Jericho. I mean, you know, there's things I can't do. But this past week, I had an opportunity. I sat on my front porch right in the middle of the day, and two of my grandchildren were over, and I was holding little Jackson Wesley in my arms. Now, he's about a year, I don't know how old he is, maybe not a year. No, he's not a year yet, but he's just... A precious, just like yours, I know. Mine's no preciouser than yours. <laughs> but anyway, I was holding this little fella, and he was asleep. He'd been crying a little bit, so he would, I went out on the front porch, and I was rocking. I've sat more on the front, front porch than I've ever sat before in my, in my little house. I really have. And I've loved it so much. And so I'm rocking this little boy, and I'm looking at him, and he's asleep. And, you know, I had this moment. This is what God does. This is what the preparation is. I'm thinking in my heart, see, it went back to this. How in the world am I going to be an influence on this little guy? What do I want to say to him in my life? And I thought about it. It made me say, how am I going to live my life, though, so that one day Jackson will look back and say, you know, not that his granddaddy was a preacher, but that his granddaddy loved the Lord Jesus Christ, that his granddaddy had an influence. Because I looked at that little fella, and that was more important to me than getting up in here and pounding on this pulpit to you or hearing some other preacher pound on the pulpit. I mean, there's a place for all that, I guess, but I'm going to tell you it's far more important that you see that personal examination and that presence of God in your life. You know what? It's when God taps you on your shoulder. When God taps you on your shoulder, we do not ignore that. We ought not. We need to bless God and see Him and acknowledge that in our lives. And sometimes... God has to get us to a situation where we can understand where that's coming from, at least know that it's from God, though we might not always understand the impact or the reason for it all. You know what? You can take this book, and you know, we think about, I think about my life, I think about, gosh, I'd like to have done a lot of things different, I've made a lot of mistakes, committed a lot of sins, I, I just really hate that that's happened in my life and it's not that I'm I'm, I'm just kind of crawl up and not do anything about it. it makes me rejoice in God because I know he's forgiving um, but it makes us think about um, the preparation that we have to have in our lives and in our hearts that we see how we need Jesus and what he does in our lives the preparation and how he prep prepares us you know like Israel had to, they went through the fasting, the Passover, before they get to the walls of Jericho. That's what I wanted you to see. There's some preparation that God is giving us uh, in our life. You know, I remember, uh, 
I remember uh, way back in, in football, if you played, you know, too. You had to run wind sprints. And, you know, after practice, you had to run wind sprints. Coach would say, you know, let's get down here and let's, let's line up. Now, I never looked forward to wind sprints. I never did. I mean, I mean it, was, it was pretty tough out there sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, you had to do the wind sprints before you're going to get the touchdowns. And sometimes God will give us some wind sprints. And we don't understand what it's going to be about. We just think it's just for nothing. But I'm going to tell you, God has a purpose in it. God is not wasting one moment. God does not waste anything. And then sometimes we, you know, even in our failures, we think it's waste, but they're not. Because God has, has, some, has given us the strength of, of, his, uh, of his spirit to deal with the obstacles. I might have went off from a little line a while ago. I was talking about, you know, we're talking about our problems. You know, some about mine. And you got some too, I bet. Uh, but the thing is, when you get in this book, see, this is what prepares you. And you get in this book, if you're really serious about finding out what's wrong with you, or what's wrong with the world, whatever. You get in this book and you get serious enough even to get a, a pad and a pencil and you start getting this book, you're going to find out what's wrong with you. <laughs> you're going to find, if you start getting this book and you carry this book, later on it'll carry you. It will. That, that's how God does. That's the preparation that we have. That's why it's so important that you parents, and I commend you for it, are preparing children by the word of God. You're going to need that so much later as we have seen that we do. So there's a preparation, but then also there's a separation, a separation I wanted to share with you. Now what God, you remember God says, he tells these people not to, his people not to say a word. Now there's a silence there. You know what revival is about, why it's so rigorous, that's what revival is one way, one way revival comes is it's the spirit of God that comes to kill or cause us to die to self so that we can really appreciate the spiritual things see the thing about salvation is you are as a believer you are condemned to salvation i think you can say that it's not a choice you have you hear me god does not ask you your permission to save you he doesn't that that is what god does God does that, and you, I hear people say, well, you know, you got to believe. Well, you believe, but what belief is, belief doesn't save you. Belief is realizing what God has done for you and, and trusting Him to that. That's what belief does. I hear people say, well, you know, repent. Repent doesn't save you. What repent does is teach us that we're realizing that we're sinners, and we got to deal with this, and we're going to go, go another way. So, so, so salvation is of God, okay? And that's what God does in revival. But when he does that, see, discipleship, discipleship is a voluntary action. You decide if you want to follow Jesus. Jesus says, if, if you want to be my disciple, you remember he says in the scriptures, he says, you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus says. And I believe you all want to do that. And I want to do that. And I want to do that more closely than I ever have before. But see, that's what God's calling us to do. And that's what God's using obstacles in our life as he prepares us to see our need. And to understand when we do that he separates us. Now he calls these people to be silent. To silent. And, and that's what God's... Silence is a great thing. It's one of the greatest uh, blessings of God to be still and know that he's God but it's one of the hardest things to do I'd, I'd be willing to say that that if death and it is I understand it is the last enemy that Christ conquered I would say that holding our tongue and being silent is probably the last vice that we got to conquer in this earth you know I've been wearing my mask when I go to places like Walmart's or the grocery store my wife made us some masks and you know what I've noticed about wearing those masks? I brought it, it's in my office, I guess. Uh, I, I'm not wearing a mask to be, be like a Democrat or a Republican. I, I'm not really wearing it because I think it's going to prevent the coronavirus. I'm not. Everybody crazy that time. You know what I've got? I've got every time I get on my truck and I put my mask on, it reminds me that I'm a sinner. It reminds me, now Randy, you be careful what you say. I mean, I know that's silly probably, but I mean, it helps me 
understand what I'm saying matters. I mean, to bridle the tongue. And so, but God is separating. He says, now you be silent and you be silent and you listen. And that's what we hard, it's hard for us to do sometimes. Uh, but what silence does, and that's what did, I'm, I'm convinced in this episode in Jericho, silence makes you think. I bet you thought more about God and about godly things than you ever before, about your own self. Makes you think. I, mean, I wonder, as these guys walked around the, the Jericho walls, they were thinking, you know what they were thinking? They were thinking, the only way these walls are going to fall is God's going to have to do it. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the only way our nation is going to recover is God's going to have to do it. The only way that we're going to make things happen for God is God's going to have to do it. And we need to see that and bless that. You know, I think in the day, um, I know she's not able to come yet, but I was talking about Sister Pat Duke. Uh, Sister Pat, I remember when she was in an ICU in Augusta Hospital, and you do too, and I remember going up there, and I remember in the silence of the waiting room, I remember the morning that they just, they just cut part of her skull open, went in there, did surgery, removed a tumor. I remember that. I remember praying with her husband and family and the doctors, not knowing if she was going to live, and if she did, what kind of state she would be in. But I'm going to tell you, there was silence there. There's something you just can't do. There's something that we can't do. We just give it to God, just like that little grandson. I can't save him, but I can pray to the God that can. I, it just gives me a silence to know that God can do things. Because this is what I think about Pat for. I saw Pat in that situation in that ICU. But do you know what? A year or so later, maybe two, I saw Pat Duke riding a camel in Jericho when we went to Jerusalem. You remember that, Brother Lindsay? She rode that camel. Her and Sister Sylvia Prosser rode a camel. I said, I don't know why I thought about that, but that's what God does. That's the miracle of God. I mean, you think we're down and out, and you think it's about it, but you don't ever give on God. So, so there's a separation, though, and separation really is death, you know, and, and that's death to ourself. And that's what salvation has done to you. And it's, it's, it's got what God has done. And so we're dead to sin. And so God has brought us out of that. And God has blessed us. And so Paul in Galatians, you know, he says in Galatians 1, he says separated from his mother's womb. He said when God saw fit, I'm paraphrasing, he was separated from his mother's womb. And he was separated for a purpose. And that purpose was not to make Paul a great preacher or to... To, to show off him or his good looks or whatever. It was to reveal the Son of God in him. And so that is what, that is what separation is about as we see that, as we bless that in our lives. Um, to think about that and to bless God in that. You know, when I, th when I think about sometimes the silence, and it's so hard to do. I might have shared this with you before, but I think about it. Sometimes Penny and I, and I know I haven't shared this, but and I don't want to make you feel, feel bad, anybody, because I know some of you have lost loved ones, and it's, there's a special moment. When we go through silence, we think of our loved ones a lot, and we ought to, but there, I know there's some precious memories that you have, and I encourage you to, to wind back down and to see that and reflect. But most of the time in the last few weeks, Penny and I, after supper, it'll probably be 7.30 or so, we'll get in the truck, and we'll ride around, looking at the woods and fields, and we'll see a sunset. We go, I say, Penny, you want to go see a sunset? I mean, sunsets last a moment. You hear me? And I know that's a special time, but I'll tell you, this has been a time I'll never forget spending that time with my wife. Now, listen, I, I mean, that can't be too exciting for her. I know I must be the most boring husband she, you could have, a woman could have sometime, but wait, right around, we look at sunset. And every one of them's different. Every one of them's different. But, you know, sometimes we'll ride around, and we won't say a word. There's not a radio on, no music playing. I mean, we'll just ride and ride and won't say a word. And uh, I was thinking one day, I say, <laughs> you know, I don't say this, but I think I said, man, I wonder if she's mad with me. Have I said something or have I done something? She mad? I mean, she's not saying nothing. And I'm not saying nothing. 
And we just ride in silence. But you know, it's nothing like that. And all of a sudden she'll say something that just makes me feel better, you know. But what, what my point is this. If you love somebody, you can be silent. You don't have to entertain. You don't have to just keep going, something going all the time. You hear me? I mean, I mean, Jonas and Elizabeth, that's a good lesson. Now, you remember that. I mean, you don't have to just ad-lib everything. You hear me? I mean, you know, God, you know, God can be silent and still love us. You hear me? God can. God can be silent. God can do things that you and I don't understand what he's doing, but he can do it and he still loves us. In fact, he says he'll always, he'll never, nothing will separate us from the love of God. And it won't. But there's a separation, and God has a purpose in it. See, separation is to make us holy. That's what holiness is about. <laughs> and God has made us. That's why he saved us, by the way, to make us holy. It's not that we do in ourselves, but it's what God is doing in our lives. And, and so when you think about it, are we willing to say, you know, whatever obstacle we have, and we all got them, are we willing to say, are we willing to really pray to God and say, God, Make this sinner, saved by your grace, as holy as you want to make them. I mean, I mean that, is, that is a calling. Oh, God, make me as holy as you want to. Because, see, that's what God does. He separates. It doesn't mean that we're to be recluse or a hermit. You know, Jesus Christ walked this earth. But people thought he was a wine-bibber and a drunkard. <laughs> Why? Because he ate with sinners. See, to be separate... You know, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. You know, it doesn't mean you can have family members that, that don't have the same moral or the values you do or maybe lifestyle. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you have to separate and have nothing. You might not have that same point of view, and you need to be compassionate about that and share that. But, but there's a separate, you know, and there's, God's calling us to that in this life. Now, one more thing I want to say. And I think this lesson teaches that not only do we see the preparation when we get to an obstacle in life, whatever that's going on in your life, whatever we have to deal with, whether that's the church, our life, your vocation, your family, health, I mean, it's there. I mean, but see, it's not so much our problem and how big it is, it's how big is God? How big is your God, okay? And you trust him and you bless him because there's nothing that's impossible. There's nothing that God can't do. And it's a revival and that's rigorous that really means so much to us. It's when we've come through some hard times and we look back and we see, like Samuel, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And we know that he's already helped us up to this point. And so that shows us he's not going to give up. He's not going to let us go. God's not going to save you and just leave you dangling and hanging around, okay? God has a purpose in that life and you're destined even predestined to be conformed to be just like Jesus. Now, now, that's what we need to understand and embrace that in our life. But then the third thing, that separation comes after the preparation, and there's a consecration. Consecration is making um, a commitment to really serve God and to be complete with Him, honest with Him in our lives, acknowledging our weaknesses wanting to be strengthened in those very points, not running away from anything that God would have us do, but it's also consecration means making sure our interests kind of line up with God's, okay? That's being consecrated. If you want to look at some synonyms, I think, of consecration, I haven't looked all these up, but I think of purity. I think of uh, adoration, reverence to God, um, those kind of things. That's what consecration does. And, and we're to be consecrated Christians to bless God. And that's what happens here is we see these people walking as they do uh, silently, but acknowledging God in that way. And we see the, the area that, that God gives them. And really, if you think about it, in a nutshell, it would be obedience. Obedience, just simply doing what God says do. And you know what? How do we do that? We do that one day at a time. Uh, and you know what? You can, if you're consecrated, you can be on the right path and fall. You hear me? You can. You can, you can make a mistake. You can have light and stumble. You can. But if you're consecrated, you get back up and you press on to the mark of the high calling of Christ. That's what to be consecrated is about. 
And God has called us to do that. And he enables us to do that as good soldiers of the Lord. Uh, what a blessing to see this. And to be consecrated, we can see so many examples in Scripture of consecrated efforts that God makes. I think of Daniel when he was in captivity. Sometimes the obstacles that we're facing are the very uh, platform God gives us to manifest being consecrated. You remember he says, I'm not going to take the king's meat. I'm not. Well, God used that consecrated heart that that young man had, and he ended up going in the lion's den, but they never touched him. But he was a servant of God, and he had a great vision for Nebuchadnezzar, and God used him in that great way, and what a blessing that is. Um, so obedience, and guess what pleases God? You know, obedience. Uh, I was thinking, uh, and I'll, I'll try to move it on to end it up, but where is it? Uh, gosh, you know where it is in Hebrews. Uh, there's an account given of uh, the faith, and this faith comes of this Hall of Fame of Faith, the account here of so many. But, but I think of what consecration means. And I want to use a couple of episodes just briefly here from this great uh, array of so many in Hebrews 11 that, that obviously consecration and faith, I mean, you know, that, they go together. See, Abraham, if you think about the father faithful, he was separated from his family and his homeland. You remember God says, Abraham, you get out of the era of the Chaldees. God didn't tell him where he was going, but he told him to go. See, Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew God. See, faith is an object of God. It has a person for its object, Christ. And that's why the personal relationship, that's why the separation from the world is necessary, and that's why consecration of being a disciple. That's being consecrated. Yes, God, I volunteer. Send me, Lord, as Isaiah said. I'm ready to go. I see what you've done for me, O God. Can you use me? Make me holy, O God. And so be a disciple. That's a learner. You're not going to ever graduate in, from the Bible in this life. But God, make me a disciple. I want to be a disciple. I want you to help me, God, be a learner that I deny myself. You can't learn about God if you got yourself in the forefront. Uh, that I want to take up my cross. You know, we have crosses. Your cross is different than mine. We've got to take it up. We've got to know that God can give us leverage. God can give us strength to deal with whatever calamities of life we face. And so, and then to follow Him. And to follow Him means we go where He's called us to go. See, Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew God. And that's what's all important that you knew God. Now, I'm not talking about knowing about God, but knowing God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. <laughs> I mean, in time, we don't know what a day may bring, do we? We don't. But then the reference is made to this Jericho episode in verse 30. says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. That's consecration. They didn't just work a day or two and say, well, you know, nothing's happened. Keep in mind, they didn't know how many days they were supposed to had this did a day at a time. And you know what? Not only were they delivered, or the walls, there was a woman by the name of Rahab, who the Bible says was a harlot, that believed God, and it says in verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Isn't that amazing how your influence of consecration, that's what I want you to go home with. You know that when you consecrated to God, you're going to influence so many people. And, you know, who knows how God might use that. You know, Rahab's in the Hall of Fame of the Lord Jesus Christ. She married a Jewish man and was one of those that God used in the lineage of Christ. And God refers to her in Matthew uh, in the lineage, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what God does. That's His grace. That's His amazing grace. So then when we think about being consecrated, and as I close, I think about, you know, first of all, we're trusting God and, and we're believing God. 
We're understanding when we do that, that separation and what it's mean, the rigors of it all. Because it's tough sometimes to be silent. It's tough not to try to get our, our two words in edgewise. It's, you know, but we don't want to be satisfied, do we, with just being saved by the skin of our teeth? I mean, I know salvation is complete for all the child of, child, children of God, but I'm going to say, I want you, and I want to be, and I know you do, I want to bear as much fruit as God will allow me to uh, for His honor and glory. Uh, so when we do that, then that is a call to trust Him and to walk by faith and to deal with the obstacles of life that we have to deal with. And that we know to God, we go to God, and then, you know, when we do that, repentance is going to be a part of it. A repentance is understanding that I'm wrong and that God is right. And God, I want to be closer to you. And 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that famous, beautiful verse, if my people, God says, shall humble themselves. See, that is, that is consecration. You're going to be humble in life. That's not going to just come by happening. If they humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You see, your prayer and seeking God's face goes together. And, and so then, and turn from their wicked ways. That's the results of all of it. See, God enables us to do that. He says, then I will heal, heal their land. May the Lord bless us to, to be um, willing to submit to his preparation, to get as much out of this life that he's given us, the things he's already prepared us for, to even look at our mistakes as, as really ways that God has taught us, uh, right from wrong, and that he can redeem the time, and that we can understand being separated is okay, if that means being silent, if that means, you know, there's a time coming, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be silent, there's a time to live, there's a time to die, there's a time for every purpose under the heaven, and you know, Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist did, you remember, what, he, he had to be silent, because what, he doubted, that they could conceive and have a child. Well, God just closed his lips. But there's a shouting time. And it was Zacharias says, his name shall be John. <laughs> uh, and his, he believed it. He saw it. And, and Israel shouts. And there's a time when the redeemed of the Lord shall say so. And maybe that's times now. And I pray the Lord will bless, bless you and magnify you and keep us all very close to him. Would you bow with me for a closing prayer? Dear, thank, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessings that you give us. Gracious Lord, uh, help us not to neglect so great a salvation. Thank you, Lord, for saving us by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for preparing us for heaven as much as we kick and scream about it. Thank you, Lord, for separating us from the evils of this world, not letting us have the fellowship with it, not at all. Forgive us, Lord, when we're deceived and we think we can like it and we realize what a mistake we've made and how much it hurts you. Bless us, O oh God, to be more consecrated, that we will find a fulfillment only in Christ and being like Him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.